waiting for you. Nineties sex sax saxophone can only mean one thing. It must be a new episode of That's So Random, a random movie podcast. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Heath Lambert. Every week I push the magic button. The magic button gives me a random movie across from everything that's streaming. And this week we have what apparently counts as a movie, for the purposes of my button anyway, the 1990 CBS television movie, The World's Oldest Living Bridesmaid, starring Donna Mills. It is, uh, I gotta say, <coughs> better than I thought it was going to be. I try not to have expectations going in, into things that I haven't seen before. But, um, so I thought that this would be uh, laughably bad. I actually found it kind of entertaining. Uh, my guest this week to talk about 90s fashion from when I was 12 and she was negative 20 is the most fashionable person I know, Miss Katie Jane. Hello, everybody. So, what did you think about this movie? I thought it was, um, it was okay. Um, yeah, it you know, the fashion, it was kind of what I was expecting for the 80s. I mean, I've always been kind of a fan of 80s fashion, specifically 80s office fashion, which this movie had a lot of that, which was very cool to see. Um, but yeah, it was it was surprisingly okay. I thought it was going to be pretty bad based on the beginning. I've absolutely watched worse movies for this podcast and the interesting it's an interesting phenomenon that the first couple years because this came out in 1990 and the first couple years of a decade are usually just still sort of the last decade like 1980 and 1981 are still kind of just the late 70s 1990 1991 is still basically the late 80s the 90s what we think of as the 90s doesn't really kick in until like 1993 1994 same with, well, probably the 2000s, except for 9-11, which I guess that, that's a pretty big demarcation mark that kept it from being just the late 90s. Speaking of the Twin Towers, first shot in this movie immediately, Twin Towers, because we're in New York, and it always throws me seeing them. Speaking of, uh, well, I suppose you were born when 9-11 happened. Well, I was born like a year before 9/11 happened. I'm a I'm a new century baby. Uh, I was born in 2000, so I don't even remember um, the twin towers coming down. I was only like one when that happened. Um, but yeah, it's of course the uh, the where were you on 9/11? I was in a high chair. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's very much, it's a textbook event for you. It's something you read, ab read about and it didn't really yeah. affect you so much. But it's, yeah, for everybody else, it's it's jarring usually just to see them and go like, oh, right, those were buildings that existed. We uh, Our main character is Brenda Morgan. 
she's a high-powered attorney and uh, our first scene is her and her best gal pal power walking through Central Park and it becomes immediately apparent this movie should just be called How to Fail the Bechdel, Bechdel Test, the motion picture. For people who don't know, the Bechdel Test is this idea that in a movie, if you have two, or a television show, when you have two women talking to each other, are they just talking about men? Or are they talking about their own concerns and their own things that have nothing to do with the men in their life or romantic things? And um, there's not a conversation between two women in this movie that passes the Bechdel test, so we're off to a real bad start. No, it just the the whole movie I think was basically like a feminist debate, like where women, you know, the movie starts off where she's talking about um, her, the guy that she's dating, and then how she's trying to find a new secretary because she she's lost three secretaries in the last year because they're often getting married. And which it's like, I always kind of thought that, you know, the 90s were a very progressive period where because before we had like the 70s where women were joining the workforce. Right. And or no, that was like the 60s, 70s yeah, after World War Two. Yeah. Um, but it's very interesting to see in movies from back in the back in the 90s where there was still like should you have a career should you get married like I don't know it was very interesting to see what do you think Heath? well I feel like considering how it starts I actually feel like this is a weirdly for 1990 I found it to be an oddly progressive film in a lot of ways um in that first off we have uh, get ahead of ourselves a little bit uh, Brenda Morgan, the main character, Donna Mills, in this film is 50 years old. I don't know if that's what her character is supposed to be, but that's what she is. Absolute smoke show at 50, yes? Yes, yes. And um, later on in the movie, because she was talking about like her... She's been an attorney for 16 years. So the So the character herself, she's probably like late 40s because it takes what eight years to get a law degree go to law school and stuff and then so she's like yeah that would put her in like her late 40s if she started at 18 maybe and um but yeah where, where it winds up with the idea that she's sort of a that it's okay for because we see a ton far too much in movies of the older guy with the hot young woman and this is the opposite of that it's this hot old <laughs> not old but older lady with a much younger man which is i think a little progressive for 1990 and it's treated i mean there's little hiccups here and there but overall it's treated like not only is it okay but it's it's really kind of sweet <laughs> like it's actually i found it to be like oddly sweet i don't know and then also there's there's talk of our office has switched to biodegradable coffee cups and like so like it feels really almost kind of woke for 1990 yeah like that that was another thing that surprised me because um yeah so she's interviewing secretaries right and then this man comes along which 
she um, she was talking to another woman about another interview that some office sent in, sent him in, and she was surprised that it would be a, a male secretary. And just how he got the job was very interesting to me too, because he was kind he was kind of like um, well you know insisted that he work for her for one week was it and then see if she could live without him which I thought that was very interesting and yeah just the whole biodegradable coffee cups and how you know he's a lot younger than her yeah that was also very very progressive and kind of wasn't was I expecting and you're you're younger than your fiance right yeah but like three years not yeah, not like sixteen. <laughs> well, the and the actors, the 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 man in question. Well, actually, let me back up a minute. She's going. Uh, Brenda's dating a guy named Brian, who's a dentist. Uh, we have a scene of them eating caviar omelets for breakfast. Which get the fuck out of here! What are you like? I understand that you're rich. It wasn't. I, I don't think it was for breakfast. I believe it was for a after dinner session that they have. Oh, a post-coital snack? (laughs) Either way, that's gross. That's gross. Because a caviar omelet, so is that caviar mixed in with regular eggs? So it's eggs on top of eggs? I'm not not sure. Um, But yeah, so they they had this afternoon, or after coital uh, eggs and caviar, but it did look like they were eating the caviar on the side with some eggs. I don't know. That was interesting well he described it as a caviar omelet and i just about threw up in my mouth but uh brian the dentist looks like bilbo baggins and it's not it's he's not in her league so she can do better as we'll find out um yeah i looked up donna mills the actress and i believe brian wimmer is the guy who plays uh alexander who i know from a movie that i liked a lot when i was a teenager anyway called late for dinner i haven't watched it in a long time I don't know if it holds up or not, but it's the only thing I know him from. But uh, at the time of that they made this, she was 50 and he was 31. So that's pretty... Um, and they're both they're a couple good-looking... I don't know, is he... I, She's very attractive at 50. I don't know. I guess I can't say if he's... Is he a cutie or not? Um, he was. He's definitely attractive, I will say that. But as for... Um, like the way that she looks, she could definitely do better looks wise. Like, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, well, and it doesn't help that he has the most 1990 ponytail. Yes. Which is not okay. And, um, like a full on, like, Texas waterfall. Well, I suppose a Texas waterfall is like a, like a mullet, but a legit ponytail. So, yeah, all of her, uh, secretaries have left and gotten married and it's pissing her off and she thinks she's interviewing alexandra dante and it's actually alexander dante who's um not pushy i guess but he really yeah, he really wants the job and uh, so she hires him on a trial basis which goes really well he wor- he works hard he does his job he picks stuff up easy um and they wind up ha- she winds up having to go to london to uh, help try a case in in London court, something about a satellite that crashed or something. It's not explained terribly well, but um, so of course she has to take her new male secretary with her, and uh, she's hesitant at first, but and they um, 
get there. Now this guy, he states at one point, did I miss the part with the button? I think I did. Oh, yes. Um, so there was a scene here where she loses a button on her shirt and he points it out and you know he finds the button on the floor and is like oh I know how to I know how to sew like I can just sew it on real quick and then in this in him sewing on this button they're talking about like how all the men in his family like had to learn how to sew and then all the girls in his family also had to learn how to like change a tire or something like that which that was pretty cool because she she was just like oh I don't know how to change a tire and then he was like well what if you break down on the side of the road somewhere and she's like well I can just I have a triple a and he's like oh what if there's no phone and then there's just like this weird conversation with a lot of sexual tension where um he's sewing on this button and um yeah what do you think about that it was it was kind of a lot for me <laughs> well it's yeah and he has to he has to cut the the string that he's tied on the button with his teeth and of course her boss walks in right when i think it's her boss um or at least the other partner in the law firm walks in when he's practically motorboating her with <laughs> this tight oh we're doing a button and her and brian her <laughs> dentist bilbo boyfriend um <coughs> yeah so for a guy who seems to have pretty I feel like he comes from sort of a rural background. He's talking about the men, you know, men in his family know how to sew and the women can change a tire and make a fire. Later on, he's wearing a gorgeous pair of overalls, like denim overalls. So I feel like he comes from a real rural place. Yet when they get to London, he is super impressed by a guy. There's a guy riding, like they're driving through, you know, uh, Trafalgar Square. You know, you're seeing all the London sights and, he sees a guy on horseback sort of up on the side of the road and he's like wow this place is what a crazy place and it's like a you're from new york they have horse cops you've seen men on horseback before and secondly the way he's described his family it sounds like they like he comes from more of a rural place so i would think he's seen people on horseback before so i don't know why he was so blown away by this guy on a horse but uh, so that was weird she um so they they check into their swanky hotel they have court the next day <coughs> and the scene that i th thought was really interesting was she's like oh you know tomorrow it's going to be me versus 12 12 guys in powdered wigs and he says sounds about even and like he seems really it's not even that he's like into her and i try i mean he probably is but it's not the way he says it sounds about even it's it's like he he really respects what she does he seems impressed by her as a lawyer and is like her number one like backer he's like her hype man in a in a professional manner which i thought was i don't know i enjoyed that yeah it was very it was very cool to see that um scene of him and her where he's just kind of because at first at first you started out like insisting that he be her secretary and then is working so hard for her and she's honestly she's just amazing it seems in the movie is, is what she does as a lawyer so it was pretty cool to see him being like you know you go I respect you and I think a lot of women <laughs> need that more in their life me included 
Um, and then, so she has a good day in court where, you know, she turns quite well. And he's like, oh, let's go celebrate. And he takes her to a pub with um, fish and chips and beer. And then I was shocked by this because it kind of sets like the tone of their relationship. It seems where he takes his boss to a sex club in London and makes the moves on her. What do you what do you think about that? I don't know if it's a sex club, but it's, it's some kind of a. Yeah, they, they get done with their beer. And he's like, hey, I heard about a cool club. Do you like music? So they go, and it's, I mean, it's like a punk nightclub. You see a couple people wearing suits in there, but there's also, like, S&M gear and people with mohawks, and it's a real, like, well, dingy. Also, you could see in the corner a little bit that there were some people going on it. I assumed that it was a sex club, but <laughs> it might not have been. <laughs> there's there's sex, sexy things happening. I don't know if it's a sex club. It's not like a Eyes Wide Shut club or something, but it's definitely um, not where you would expect her to be. And she's kind of freaking out, and he's just going with the flow, and they dance real close, and it's still, it's more still just tension, nothing's going on, because she still has Brian, the dentist, back home. And they have, um, I have a note here, it says male versus female dominance, but I don't remember what that's, they have a conversation about it. Yeah, Um, yeah, that was the scene where they... So he takes her to the water a couple days later while they're still in London. And he asks her, like, oh, hey, are you cold? And then she says no, but he still gives her his jacket anyways. And then they have a conversation about male dominance and female dominance and whatnot. And he asks her about her dentist friend, boyfriend, whatever. Like, oh, do you think he's male dominance and she was just like well yeah he is and then they kind of talk about briefly how like he thinks that she's female dominance and he has a problem with that or something along those lines um which was a very interesting conversation (laughs) yeah or at the very least that he's sort of uh, rightfully so like intimidated by her maybe but uh, again, for a 1990 TV movie that's prob- on CBS, which is probably, I feel like the core audience for this movie would have been 50-year-old ladies at the time sitting at home. So it's an interesting conversation for them to have that I feel is a little weirdly progressive for not only the time, but for a movie that so often isn't progressive in the way that females deal with each other. Because, like, Brenda's mom is the stereotypical, the real, like, when are you going to get married? You're 50 years old and I'll never have, you know. So that's, it's a real, I don't know, balancing act that it's doing between sort of being woke and being really, really not at all. (laughs) So they come back from London. Seems that the case has gone well. We don't know for sure. And um, she she gets a call to go meet uh, Brian the dentist, wants to talk to her. And in the lobby, this made me laugh, in the lobby of his dentist practice where there's, like, the kids' stuff for kids to do, like the waiting room, they sit on little plastic kitty chairs that they squeeze themselves into. And I don't know if it was supposed to be. I have to assume it was written specifically to be funny. It made me laugh. Um, and Bilbo the dentist breaks up 
with her in the, like in the lobby of your in the wait children's waiting room of your dentist's office is where you're having this conversation, man. You really don't deserve her. But he's got a crazy story about how he went to the while she was gone for the weekend, remember. She's been gone for three days. He went to the hardware store because he had to buy something and he met a lady there who needed help with a light switch so he went to her house and he met her son who's 11 and all boy he says which I thought was a real weird thing to say and he's decided he wants to marry this lady now and have a family with this kid and security and she's too much for him and like you decided this I mean I guess we don't know how long they've been going out but it seems fairly serious I guess she would describe it as casual but it was like he sent her flowers when she was in London. Also, I'm like absolutely shocked by the amount of times this woman receives flowers in this movie. Like she she receives flowers from the dentist twice and then this male secretary, Alex, once, which is three times more than I've gotten flowers in my life. No one's ever sent you flowers? <laughs> For real? I'll send you some flowers. That's not cool. Um, yeah, so she gets dumped by this Bilbo-looking fucker and, um, has to put some thought into her life choices, I guess. Not Still nothing's happened with Alex at this point yet, other than lots of tension. So her, she meets her best friend for lunch the next day, or presume, I guess, time, time is real wiggly in this movie, we don't know necessarily strict time frames but um so she goes to have lunch with her best friend that they were talking about earlier who thinks her best friend thought she was going to get dumped by the guy she's been with for a while and she was going to go on a blind date now her best friend's like nope he proposed last night we're getting engaged i want you to be my bridesmaid which is the i guess we finally get to the because there's this is more than halfway through the movie, we finally get to the title of the film, The World's Oldest Living Bridesmaid. And um, actually, there's a funny bit, another... There's bits here and there that are actually funny. You can you can tell this is written by a woman as well. That might help with how the <coughs> characters are. But uh, when she first... So she's just gotten dumped. When she first gets there for lunch, she asks the waiter what kind of herbal tea they have. And he lists off four or five, and she goes cool i'll have a double martini <laughs> and just <laughs> belts it down and um yeah so her friend wants her to be a bridesmaid so now she's even more bummed because not only are all her secretaries getting married now her friend is and she'll never have it because she's too see and here you you feel like the movie's leading you towards the oh see you can't have a career and romance and family and all that at the same time which winds up not being the message but it feels like that's where it's headed at this point and um so then we're at the wedding the bride is instantly regretful it seems that she's got married <laughs> she's already drunk she's been married for three hours and she's already like i feel uh, so different like <laughs> she's she's like there's uh, a scene between her and uh, the world's oldest bridesmaid where she's just like, I feel so different and I've only been married for three hours and whatever. And then uh, 
she uh the bridesmaid is just like oh well you know like are you having regrets and she's like no i love i love this guy that i've met which was very like confusing i feel like what do you think i, I think I, I think the idea is that they're the idea of being married or the push to be married is better than actually being married like the idea that this is this thing that you have to do before you're a certain age or society will look at you a certain way um, that, d that actually being married doesn't necessarily live up to the dream of that but um but it's kind of a sweet little scene because she says, will, will a man ever love a... Again, they're they won't stop talking about men. They never talk about each other, but they kind of squeeze one in. And she says, you know, will we ever find a man who loves us the way we love each other because we're best friends? She's like, I hope so. And it's kind of a sweet little moment, even if it, again, fails the Bechdel <laughs> test spectacularly. So now it's time to throw the bouquet. And she gets... It's like an NFL interception replay. This chubby 16-year-old girl comes flying across the screen and s snatches this bouquet before she can catch it. And it's 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 odd because, yeah, you don't get too good of a good look at her, uh, the, the girl who catches it. But then when they cut over to everybody, like, oh, you caught it, you're next. It's clearly like this is not a girl who's old enough to be <laughs> thinking about getting married. Like, she seems very young. So that was funny and strange <coughs> so now she's Brenda's super depressed she's walking home decides to call uh, Alex under sort of the guise of you know oh do we have some work we could do on the case or whatever and goes over to place goes over to his place here's where he has the overalls on she's in a bridesmaid dress and he's in overalls also uh, just her bridesmaids her bridesmaid's dress was exquisite. It wasn't a really a dress. It was more so like a pink, like a bubblegum pink cocktail, like a cocktail skirt, like a pencil skirt. And then she had on a matching blazer that was off the shoulders and the sleeves were incredibly puffy. I kind of want that suit. That was a really good suit. But yeah, she goes over to Alex's place to see if they can get some work done which is clearly I, fe I felt like that was just code for sex because they both kind of liked each other before that and whatever but yeah she goes over to Alex's place and he turns out to be an artist which I thought was pretty cool she kind of looks at his sculptures and whatever and then yeah he kisses her which was like oh my gosh finally but also kind of surprising at the same time yeah, and they have decent chemistry. I, really, I don't think either one of them are like like supreme actors. They're both like okay TV actors, but they, you know, they had decent chemistry. Yeah, he's got his overalls on. He's got his hair down from his ponytail for the first time that we've seen. And um, yeah, he builds sort of sculptures that he um, he just seems like a really good like. It's not like I think it would be easy for this movie to come off as gross if she was just like, ooh, this hot young thing, you know. But he's genuinely, like, he's like her number one fan. He seems like a sweet guy with, like, decent ideas on what relationships should be. He seems mature. 
he's an artist, he's a good cook, we'll find out. Like, he's genuinely, like, a pretty good catch. And he's not bad-looking either. So it makes sense. And it's so it never comes across as, like, well, this is kind of skeevy. Like, which the, especially if the, if the roles were reversed the way that it always feels kind of skeevy. Um, yeah, they kiss, and then there's, and then that was the clip you heard at the beginning. Then there's lots of 90s sex acts. And it's it's but it's definitely a, a 1990s TV movie sex scene because it's the most unsexy. <laughs> like it's just close-ups of kissing and hold, their hands holding and like clutching the sheet. Like there's no, it's it's very unsexy. Yeah, there's not there's not much action going on there. But so yeah, it's like it, he is a he is a really sweet guy and you know whatnot. And then they wake up the next morning. He cooks her breakfast and she is like oh no i'll just have coffee and then for the next couple scenes it's them like going to the office like sharing a taxi and then she's like no nobody can see us and whatever but everybody in the office knows that like oh they're clearly they're clearly fucking you know yeah there's this gaggle of secretaries or something in the office and sort of across the hall from her that are constantly gossiping about things and always like and the second she walks in, like, oh, they did it. Like, <laughs> whatever you were trying to hide, like, these, these chicks are on to it. But actually, back up before that. So so they sleep together. She wakes up in the bed alone because he's down making breakfast. And she weirdly has, like, reg- like, I don't know if we're supposed to assume that she was, she didn't seem like she was drunk when she came over. But she wakes up and she's like, oh, no, like, almost like she's just remembering where she is and what happened. She's like, oh, no, no, no. And the maneuvers that she has to like, I understand, it's a television movie. You can't show any nudity. I'm not recommend. I'm not suggesting that we need to have female nudity in movies. It's overdone as it is. But the maneuvers that she has to do to avoid being naked on camera. She gets out of bed with the comforter wrapped completely around her. He comes upstairs and gives her a tablecloth robe, which she puts up under the blanket and around herself and then like shimmy so that the blanket ball it's so ridiculous because he's not in the room she's by herself the only person she's hiding from is the camera that isn't there story-wise so it's such a (laughs) it's such an old i hate that in movies i understand why it's there because we're not we're not asking every actor you know we're not asking actors and actresses to be naked all the time we shouldn't be it shouldn't be expected She's like one of those people that feels uncomfortable being naked in other people's places, maybe, is why she did it, but... Oh, well, she's like a never nude. <laughs> I don't know, but it's it, it drives me crazy in, in all sorts of movies, when you, especially, you know, when you have that, where just where people get out of bed and pull all of the blankets <laughs> off of the bed to stand there so that... Which no one has ever done in the history of the <laughs> world in real life. It's such a movie trope thing. But yeah, she seems to have uh, like regret, or maybe not regret, but maybe she realizes that, like this might have been a mistake. I don't know, but she seems oddly concerned about what she's done, and. Um, yeah, so they're having breakfast, sort of, and she's like, oh, God, no, do I have appointments this morning? I don't remember. And he's like, I don't know. You're her secretary. Like, this is the free. He's been a really great secretary up till this point. But in this moment, 
you should know, dude, you have one fucking job. And it's not fucking. It's keeping track of this lady's shit. And you don't know if she has a court court date this morning? Like, I know you were, you were, you know, preoccupied, and so was she. But, like, if anybody should know where she's supposed to be right now, it's you. That's your whole job. So they rush, yeah, they rush off. Then they get to the office. The secretaries immediately, or the other, yeah, secretaries or whatever, immediately can tell what's going on. Um, despite her being like, oh, I got so much sleep last night and I was all alone, la, la, la. <laughs> like, she's not good at hiding it at all. But they're not, but they're not making out and front of everybody you know they're keeping it as professional as they can <coughs> and i don't know and it's at this point that you wonder are her reservations more that she's his boss because of the power dynamic which is that something you should be concerned about is it more the age thing is it uh, having to keep an air of professionalism i guess you're not really sure what her sort of hang-ups are at this point well i don't think it was the age thing because they kind of that kind of becomes a problem later in the movie. But I think when, you know, she was first nervous about people knowing that she was sleeping with him or seeing him, that um, it was, like, just keeping the idea of, like, professionalism. And then also maybe she was, like, nervous that people would think that they were going to get married soon or something like that. Or, yeah, because it was, yeah, it's kind of, brought up by everybody that she's not seeing anyone anybody or she's not married yet and you know she's so old and whatever but yeah may may, i don't know maybe it was just the age thing or professionalism or whatnot but so we we keep cutting back and forth sort of between um (coughs) them trying to keep hush hush at the office and things that are going on uh when they're on their own at home uh, we have a scene where she's helping him with his art, and she's wearing just a a button-down shirt, like one, of his shirts. like one of his shirts. And I don't know. Maybe you can speak to this. I don't know if this is just a guy thing, if it's just a a hetero thing. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Nothing on the fucking planet is hotter than that. Like that scene. Like, she's helping him. She has work gloves on, and she's holding up this metal so he can, like, adjust it on the sculpture that he's doing. And it's not, you can't see her ass or anything, but it's definitely, like, barely. But just a woman in a man's button-down shirt, and that's it? Jesus Christ. I mean, they're comfortable. I'm, you're my stepdad, so I don't want to talk about this with you, but they're incredibly comfortable. And there was, while she's, like, in this scene wearing his button-up shirt and holding something up you can almost see her ass i mean you see like a little bit of like cheekage but it's kind of like i don't know it's fun and sexy and cute like and it's comfortable so like why not you know see i wish you hadn't mentioned that you're my stepdaughter because (laughs) no just because I i wanted to project the image that perhaps maybe i have someone on this podcast who i'm not related to (laughs) I brought in a cool person from outside, but no, it's true, and that's fine. Um, yeah, and it's at this point when she's looking good, helping with the sculptures in her shirt, that his family shows up unannounced. His, I believe, sister and her husband, uh, his real judgy sister, 
and she seems for somebody who was so like well we got to keep this button down and quiet she's she stands there and has a conversation with them not wearing pants for a good five minutes and does not seem flustered by it at all but his sister's very you know just super judgy super judgy like Oh, you're, you know, it's cool how when you were passing the bar, he was, like, playing junior varsity in high school, like, which implies that there may be, yeah, I guess that that math works out. I guess in the movie, she would be, like, 16 years older than him, or 18 years older or something, when it's actually, well, I guess it's 19 in real life, <coughs> and, um, uh, this way, after they leave, she finds out that he's... 27. She's like, oh, because you're 30. And he's like, well, mine is 3 or something like that. Which is the first time we've kind of found out his age, I guess. And she does a funny, there's a, she does a bit of physical comedy where he, he says he's 27 and she kind of just roll flops off the sofa and falls on the floor, which was pretty funny. Um, any thoughts on the his horrible sister and that whole bit? God, if, like, if I were her in this situation like not the sister but um barbara is her name brenda. brenda um if i were brenda in this situation i'd be looking at alex being like you're not gonna stand up for me right now like is this really happening or like i wouldn't answer any of her his sister's like judgmental questions because that was really inappropriate and judgy because you know he's an adult and she's an adult and like yeah there might be a big age difference but like also, maybe it's because she was his boss, too, because he she asked her her name and then something in her kind of clicks like, oh, you're his boss. Maybe it's something like that. I don't know. But yeah, I would I wouldn't answer any of her questions. I would just look at my man and be like, you want to you want to answer for me? <laughs> yeah. And again, it's we we don't we can't really tell if people are more bothered by the fact that she was his boss or if it's the age difference or if it's a combination of both for the sister it seems to kind of be both but she really starts hammering on the age thing for sure um when she should 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 just be happy for him i mean good on you dude you're doing all right um so then they go to she has a big work party with a bunch of other lawyers uh which goes horribly wrong and they get in a big fight because he's, she's again trying to keep, well, she, he's tired of hiding it. And he's like, you know, this will be my coming out party. And she seems fine with it. But when they actually go there, you know, he's calling everybody, sir. And <coughs> I think she's really feeling the power, power dynamic then. Because she gets very uncomfortable. She wants to sort of keep it more on the down low. Like, oh, I just brought my secretary to the party. It's no big thing. Um, and have people not find out. And they get in a big fight about that. And basically break up. Yeah. Um, yeah, they basically break up, which was really sad. And then you can kind of see, like, as, as they're broken up, she's, like, going to all, like, the spots that they went to like they went to a park at one point and you can see her at the park and then she's like jogging with her friend talking about it and then didn't she like meet a new guy and get engaged too or <coughs> what was that about 
Yeah, her her newly married friend sets her up with a friend of her husband's who's this cardiovascular surgeon, which her mom is super happy about. Um, and they're dating for what seems like not very long. And he's he, he's not a cool guy. He's like a stuffed shirt kind of more domineering. Not really, not, not like a full-blown asshole, but definitely not. He's not Alex, that's for sure, which she seems very aware of. But at, at dinner, he asks, and again, they couldn't have been going out for a very long time. Has no meaning in this movie again, but it couldn't have been more than a couple weeks, I think, or maybe a couple months. Um, and he very sort of nonchalantly asks her if she wants to get married, and she says yes. But almost as an afterthought, like, well, this is where I'm at now because I, I blew things up with Alex, and I have like I have to marry someone at some point, so it might as well be this guy. She doesn't seem too enthused about it. And so her mom's throwing her a big engagement party, and that's when she just can't take it anymore, and she confides to her mom that, like, I don't love this guy, I can't marry this guy, because he's not Alex. And her mom, good mom, good on her, um, drags her upstairs to, like, change her clothes, like, well, we're gonna go find, like, you need to go find Alex, because this is, that's obviously what you Need. The the end, the climax of this, the end of this, all all happens very quickly. From them breaking up to uh, roll credits at the end is like maybe the last ten minutes where she gets engaged and then unengaged and go finds like it's, it. It all happens very very quickly. Engaged again, yeah, because she goes. Her mom is like, oh yeah, we gotta go find Alex. So they go up, change her dress, and then she runs to go to Alex's apartment, and she walks into his apartment, and she's just kind of like in a huff, like she's like talking really fast and she he's like trying to be like no listen to me listen to me but she keeps talking she keeps talking she keeps talking and then finally he just interrupts her and goes can you please stop stop talking for a minute so i can ask you to marry me <laughs> which i thought that that was super sweet and like it's just you know it was kind of bittersweet to see her be like oh my god alex yes and then she's like we gotta go to this party so they then they start leaving to, I'm assuming to go back to her engagement party and announce her and announce her new engagement to Alex, and then roll roll credits. But yeah, it all it all happens pretty fast. But she's yeah, she's rolling off like all the you know, how much she's missed him, and she was all this speech, this obviously prepared speech that she's rolling through, and he keeps trying to interrupt her, and she keeps it's kind of funny. Um. Yeah, and he's like, well, let's get in some premarital sex while we still can. And then she's like, no, 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 we're going to this party first <laughs> instead, like, because you already have an engagement party sitting right there. And they're getting ready to go out the door, and they're like, nah, and they turn around to go back upstairs. And then it's freeze frame credits, very 1990 thing, and that's it. And it's it's an interesting, I don't know, is it a rom-com? I guess it's kind of a comedy. I mean, it's not, like, super funny, but there are definitely parts that are funny. But um, a lot better than I thought it would be. A lot more interesting than I thought it would be. The the dynamics at play and the conversations that they have about gender and stuff for a 1990 movie is kind of kind of crazy. And and it made it um, it would have been really easy for it to be a super generic, you know, I don't know, some 90210 shit or something where it's very. I don't even know what I'm trying to say, but it felt more interesting than I would have thought 
that particular story told in that particular time would be. So that's my take on it. Well, I just had I just had to intertwine a little bit because I broke down a, ver- a joke that I'm very proud of. She pulled a Bill Clinton. Get it? Yeah, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This is sweeter than that. <laughs> yeah. Like that's, like that's that's gross and messed up. <laughs> and not just because it's a man and a woman. Like, I'm not even gonna get. In, I'm not even gonna get into <laughs> all that. But this, it very easily, this movie could have been. And again, if the role, if the gender roles were reversed, it would be from top to bottom. It would feel gross. But I don't know if it's just because it's an older woman and a younger man that it doesn't. But also they put the work, they put the hard work into making it, making you believe that like, yeah, they actually should be together. This is okay because she's decent and he's really decent. And they work, they go together well and they're actually charming together. And it's like they build a good rapport. It's not like this sudden, I don't know, it never feels gross. No, it doesn't feel gross. Um, There was also, like, a conversation in there where, you know, she asked him, like, oh, do you ever want to be married or, and have kids and whatnot? And he's just like, well, I just want to find somebody that I can be happy with and talk to. And she's like, yeah, I'm kind of looking for the same thing. And then we see that in the end where one of them says, like, you make me really, really happy and I enjoy talking to you or something like that. And it was kind of a sweet, a sweet moment because, you know, it's, they built a rapport and yes, there's probably like some power dynamics, but there isn't kind of every relationship I feel like that you kind of have to work through and it takes a little practice to, you know, like make sure that everybody's on the same page and equal and whatever. But yeah, it was kind of a sweet moment. But, yeah. Yeah, and it never, as far as the part dynamic thing, like, it's never her, like, ordering him around. It, it is, it's not coming from a place of, like, oh, you're going to sleep with me because I'm your butt. You know, like, it's, if anything, she's trying to avoid that as, uh, for as long as possible until they just, you know, until they've actually fallen for each other and then it can't be helped. But, yeah, he has a whole that whole speech about like what are you looking for in a woman that and that he lists off where you're like oh what a good guy you know that she specifically doesn't have with roger at the end that you know she cites to her mother like this is i can't marry roger because and alex is better because alex is this and this is how he feels and roger's not that so yeah i wouldn't have thought it but this is uh, of the movies that i've done this is one of the better ones and um it's time to find out what next week's movie will be. Time to press the button and see. Episode 7 will... B- oh, I'm sorry. Episode 007, because next week's movie is The World Is Not Enough, one of the not-great James Bond movies. What is it? Pierce Brosnan's, I think, the third out of the four that he did? That will be fun, because if my recollection is true i think it's not the worst one of those but it's it's not a great one if i remember correctly i guess we'll find out next week um i've been heath lambert you can find me on twitter at heath lambert 78 
the podcast is at that so random p2 if you have any questions comments suggestions whatever uh, the podcast has an email that's so random pod at gmail.com there's two s's in there that's so random and uh where can people find you i know you're instagram girl <laughs> uh you can find me um at instagram my instagram handle is at katie jane the first all lowercase no space bars or anything and then my twitter handle is katie jane the one i sometimes tweet but almost never but i i do think my tweets are rather funny <laughs> yeah you're pretty good but you're definitely more active on Instagram. Is that is it Katie? Is it spelled out the first? No, it's numeral one. So it's Katie Jane, the numeral one, the first. Yep. So uh, that will do it this week. I'd like to thank my guest. She was fun. Movie was fun. And we will see you next week for The World is Not Enough. Goodbye.